Hey everyone, welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed psychologist, Dr. Jessica Rabin. And I'm licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. And I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. Justin attempted to join us uh, about 15 minutes ago and then his power went out. Um, and so we got a lovely FaceTime from him in the dark and he, he's surviving, not thriving at the moment. Um, he may be popping in a little later, but that's what he gets for trying to freak us out earlier. It's called karma. Karma may be the guy on the Chiefs, but it also is getting... <laughs> KBI got that reference. Anyway, so Justin may or may not be here today. Um, we really just wish his mom and girlfriend well that they're surviving with yeah, him without I power. Would not, I would not want to be in that room. Yes. With him. Yeah, it, it looked pretty terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, the holidays are fast approaching. So today we are going to be talking about managing your mental health during the holidays. So settle in, take a seat. And welcome to group therapy. So the first thing I was going to do is acknowledge that this is our first recording after our trip together, but Justin's not here. So it kind of feels <laughs> weird bringing that up. But honestly, like it just really sums up that we carry this podcast. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Justin can be like, delete this, delete this. Justin he does so much of the work on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We'll give him five, we'll give him two seconds to interject himself. <clears throat> okay, now you're done talking. <laughs> no, it but does yeah. feel weird to record though, and not in person though. It was really fun to see you guys in person and record. Really, yeah. So you all will see in future episodes we got to record some together, and it was it was fun. Uh, before we were recording, Justin was actually talking about how like there were we screwed up nothing when recording in person. There were no edits. Yeah, no edits on his end. Unlike every other week when we record here. (laughs) Yeah, that was like the most I've ever cried during an episode. (laughs) I hope he doesn't cut it out because I just, it was so real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was so real. But uh, no, it was was so, it was so fun. Yeah, we had no edits at all. Um, Yeah. And I think like anything that we probably would have edited before, like we just rolled with it. Like when I was like, Uh I'm gonna not introduce anybody. Bye. Like <laughs> just rolled with it. So yeah. Or like when Justin randomly saw the person he knew walking by the podcast studio. I hope that stays in. Oh I think God. it will. You guys. I think you guys will. will. You guys will get it. It will come. Yes. And in in over the next few weeks, we'll be slowly releasing the episodes. But anyways, so back to navigating our mental health during the holidays. If you all feel comfortable sharing, like, do you notice any trends in your mental health during the holiday season? Like better, worse? It depends. I hate it all. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) I... I want to like the holidays and I try really hard every year to get into the spirit. But for me, it like brings up a lot of feelings of grief. So it, mm-hmm. it is kind of and like just reminders. I'm sure ever, anybody could relate to this. Like when family's getting together and that one person's not there, you know, you kind of like think about it a little more. Um, but I noticed my mental health decline a tiny bit. But then it's weird because when I'm around my family or my friends, then it kind of gets better. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah. What about you guys? <laughs> I was just making faces. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not like I could give two craps about Thanksgiving. Like, cool, got the day off of work. Like, 
cool mashed potatoes, but like I could just eat pizza. It doesn't mean anything to me. Like Christmas, same thing. I'm like, mm, eh. Like, and it's been like that for a long time where I just, I don't know. Like I'm not in the spirit. Like I enjoy a Mariah Carey Christmas Carol or like a Michael Buble, let it snow. But I just, I don't know. Like, I think I'm in a place where my life where to me right now is just like any other day. Mm-hmm. Um, like I do like doing certain things like with my son, like we did the polar express last year and that was super cute. Um, and I like watching him experience some of that, but I am, I am not like a holiday person and I've really just kind of left the notions of what the holidays are. Um, if I don't want to do something, I don't want to do it. And for me, like if there are things that are going to impact my mental health, I just don't do it. Yeah. I like, I have mixed feelings. So I get excited, particularly for Christmas, but I think a lot of that is because I don't live near my family and we tend to travel to see my family for Christmas. So it's not necessarily Christmas itself. It's more spending time with family. Um, I do enjoy like decorating and some like holiday traditions, but I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, Halloween's over. Let me put up like all the holiday decor. But with that being said, I am definitely more stressed during the mm-hmm. holiday season, both with work and then also just, I mean, you all just spent time with me and, and you know this, like I'm very introverted and I have a very large family. So I've had to learn how to navigate over the years, like, hey, I need a break. So a lot of times that's, I'm going to go take the dog on the, on a walk or now having a daughter, hey, we're going to go out for like a family walk just to get some air and stuff like that because I get very like overstimulated and don't want to like people anymore, even though I'm surrounded by people I love. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of stress of just like planning and making sure we see everybody since my family doesn't live here. And then my husband parents are divorced. So like making sure we see everybody and that's just really stressful. Yeah. I think, I think traveling is hard. And then if you come from a family of divorce, I I relate to that. It's Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you see everybody. You don't want people to feel left out. And I do wonder if that creates more stress for people. Um, If you do have to fly around and then try to see both sets of family and all that. I have a friend who her and her partner, both are children of divorce basically. So they have to go to like four different houses. It's just like, you know, for them, it's just wild. And some days they, or some, some years they just can't swing it, you know, and it's like just more stress, like to KBI's point of, you know, for, for them at least they're like, Hey, if we can't make it work, then we're just not going to do it because it's mm-hmm. just going to impact, ne- impact our mental health so negatively that it's like, it's just not even worth it, you know, at that point. Yeah. Well, and, and to like thinking about like hearing you talk, Jess, like, and just how different we are in that. Like when specifically when I had my son, I basically said, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not traveling to five different places in one day or a weekend. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, because I was like, it's stress on me. It's stress. Like, and I just, if I'm going to enjoy something, I'm going to go where I want to. Um, And like, we also took into consideration 
like we have a family Christmas Eve party that is in the tiniest of house. And there's like 20 people who come and I'm like, Mm-mm. it's overstimulating for me. It's overstimulating for my kid. I might, I think one year we popped in for like a half hour and then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm good. And that's just like, and it's just interesting. Like, you know, how everybody can approach the holidays so differently and mm-hmm. how, and it depends again on family dynamics and your location and family structure that, you know, the things that we're going to talk about today, you know, might not apply to everyone. And we have to remember mm-hmm. like taking what we need and leaving what we don't and realizing that if we're talking about, you know, I'm sitting here talking about like, I don't give a crap. I'm going to do what I want. That may not apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know that K10 and I both pulled some stats, which happened to be the same stats because we were <laughs> writing in the, the the Google Doc at the same time. And I was like, oh, we pulled <laughs> some of the same stats. So um, just wanted to share because I think a lot of times, and I don't know about you all, but we get a lot of messages around the holidays, like with songs and stuff like, oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it's like so joyous and you should be happy. And not everybody feels that way. Um, so the American Psychological Association put out a survey and found that 38% of people's surveys said their stress increases during mm-hmm. the holiday season. Um, and we could talk about like the consequences of stress. And then, uh, NAMI survey found that 64% of individuals living with a mental illness felt that their condition worsened during the holidays. Um, And this study also found 66% of respondents experienced loneliness. 63% felt that they experienced too much pressure and 57% indicated they have unrealistic expectations about the holidays, which I can see can definitely lead to increased stress or anxiety, burnout, all of those Mm. things. Yeah. And I wonder how much, and again, we're speaking from a place of, you know, where we believe the holidays happen from November till the end of December, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of holidays that happen for a lot of different religions and cultures. Um, But I wonder with that, does seasonal affective play a part as well when you combine that for, for many, for many of our states, right above the Mason Dixon, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the sun's setting at four o'clock. And I also wonder if that plays a part, um, in the holiday shift, but it is, it is stressful, right? Yeah. There's, if you are buying presents and the financial piece of buying presents and every weekend is another party or a gift exchange, um, having to always, like you said, Jess, like being overstimulated, having to always be on, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you brought up geographical location, which I think is so important. When I lived in Arizona, I I didn't really feel the seasonal affective issues that I feel when I when I'm living in Missouri now, or when I lived in New York or New Jersey. And you got me thinking too about culture and how some people don't really have a choice to leave a holiday function because then it would mean something for their family, and maybe their family would not talk to them or something like that. Um, if that's the culture, other people, you know, were able to maybe not do that. But I do wonder about how stuck people feel during the holidays, if they feel like they have to go to an event. And even if 
they have to go to an event and they have, they're introverted, you know, like Mm -hmm. you were talking about before that's hard. Or if you're masking or, you know, if, if it's really hard to be around a lot of people or crowds, I mean, that's really difficult for someone with like neurodivergence or someone who, you know, experiences attention issues. It's, it's just, I think it's a lot to consider like KBI is saying, and it's a lot of pressures that people don't normally experience because sometimes you have the luxury of avoiding those experiences in your day to day, but the holidays are hard, you know, because you want to spend time with your family maybe. And you also have to kind of make a choice of like, I might feel really overstimulated, but I do want to make these memories. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then there's also the other piece of what if you don't have the family? to celebrate with. Maybe you recently moved across the country or you're somewhere else or you don't want to have that contact with your family and you know you're spending a holiday alone and and, and the impact that that has. Mhm. Or another thought I just had as both of you were speaking, what if you want to celebrate but you have a job that you don't get the day off? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. You know, I know KBI, you made the comment earlier about like not liking Thanksgiving, but you get a day off, but that's a privilege within itself because a lot of places Mm -hmm. are still open, like, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously like hospitals and stuff, but like gas stations, a lot of grocery stores. So, you know, if you take like hospitals, emergency rooms out of it, a lot of the places that are open are people that aren't working for high wages and need to work to support their families and they're missing, you know, creating memories and things like that. And that can add stress and grief. Um, Mm -hmm. And KBI, you listed so many good reasons that people may experience worsening mental health. Financial is one I think of all the time, like the pressure to spend money, not only on presents for like people you want to, but then like, I don't know about you. I know at work, like, it's like, oh, we're going to do this, like, white elephant gift exchange, or like, we're going to do X, Y, or Z. And it's like the pressure to, like, participate yeah. in those things as well. Or, oh, I'm invited to a holiday party and I need to bring an appetizer. Okay. That's time, mm-hmm. energy, money, et cetera. Well, and I just even think of like the financial piece for myself that like I have, so we celebrate Christmas and then a few short days after is my son's birthday. Hmm. And that's a double, like that double, like again, in those families where like that looks like, but it is, it is hard to navigate that around that financial piece and kind of say like, what can I do and what can I not do? I think it's, is it like the third Monday in January? It's it's called like Blue Monday. <laughs> and it's like, I, th- I forget. I feel like I've heard this and it's like called Blue Monday and it's like the saddest day of the year. Oh where my people report the most. And it's like when like the credit card bills are coming out from Christmas and like, you know, we're in the thralls of winter and things like that. And just that. Like, again, like those impacts that sometimes yeah. we don't even think about. Yeah. And, and just as I was hearing you talk, I'm, I'm trying to imagine for people who really, really enjoy the holidays, notably Christmas, or, you know, in the United States, think about 
all of that fun that you could have, right? And then after the holidays are over, you're kind of left with nothing. <laughs> you know, you you're just like, oh God, like you're talking about KBI, like the the blues. It's It yeah. probably feels like a lot of fun. It's almost like going on vacation maybe for some people. Yeah. And then you come back and you're like, oh God, now I got to go back to work. Basically yeah. what's, what's after yeah. Christmas, right? Valentine's Day and President's Day Toyota-thon. Like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing. Oh, no, absolutely. So another question I wanted to pose to you all, we've been talking a lot about like stress. What are some other like mental health struggles you think of when you think of the holiday season that people may face or maybe that you all have experienced? I know like K10, you brought up grief. And I think that's a big one Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. But what might be some other ones that you see? Anxiety, mm-hmm. the people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Even thinking of like panic disorder, like people who have panic attacks, maybe there's more triggers for people. I'm making assumptions here, but I can imagine for people who might be triggered by like new experiences or crowds or something like that, it might be difficult to regulate because there's a lot out of your control. Yeah. Trauma triggers if you're going home. Yeah. I'm thinking of like disordered eating um, and maybe body shape and weight concerns because you're going to be around food that maybe you're not normally around or, you know, you're around a lot of different people, places and things that might remind you of, you know, certain triggers that you might have relating to food or body stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think of that a lot, given the population I work with and a lot of the work I do around this time is like how to navigate conversations when people make comments or things like that. Another thing I think of a lot is like substance abuse or specifically like alcoholism, because (laughs) at least, you know, we are all from the United States on this podcast. Like, I don't know about your families, but my family (laughs) definitely like celebrates with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you are somebody that is struggling with an alcohol use disorder, um, that can be really hard, especially because typically um, I'm making a generalization here. It's more like socially acceptable to like drink more when you're celebrating Mm -hmm. and around the holidays. So if you're somebody that struggles with that, whether it's you're trying to remain sober or limit your alcohol intake, but then you're around a lot of people or maybe like, you have a problem, but people don't know it. And so the holidays are like a a cover or a way for you to easily be able to, I don't know, like drink more. And, and KBI, you obviously knew more about this because it's one of your areas, but also Mm -hmm. coping with the stress with substances. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, right. You, you, I mean, is a coping mechanism. We talked about mm-hmm. that a lot in our in in our alcohol episode of like we feel like it makes us relax. We feel like it brings mm-hmm. down our anxiety. We feel like it makes us more fun. When the reality is, is it doesn't. It actually like the chemical. Like we may feel that way, but the way it interacts in our system as a chemical, it doesn't do that. And yeah. so, you know. We're, we're engaging in this because we're like, oh, I need to feel better. And then suddenly we've drank too much and now we're getting into 
a huge argument with Uncle Johnny mm-hmm. again for the second year in a row at Thanksgiving because we're both intoxicated because we're all uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And and it's definitely, you know, it's definitely so normalized in our culture. Um, right? At Christmas, it's eggnog. New Year's Eve is the worst mm-hmm. of them all. Um, is it the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? It's yeah. like considered the drunkest day of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everybody is going out to like, especially with the younger populations, they're going, they're all coming home from school. Like yeah. they're going to the bars and then they're hung over the next day and probably drinking again. Um, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong. And that's, I want to say that like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying alcohol, but the problem is, is how we use it to cope. And yeah. a lot of times the excessiveness in it, is that coping or entering that binge drinking area, which then can become dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving has so many stops all the time because pe- then people are trying to drive home after Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve. Yep. And so it's, it's yeah. definitely, it's definitely a, a de- an area um, of coping, but it can be pretty dangerous for sure. Definitely. And I think of like from a harm reduction approach, if people have a drink or two and you feel like you're able to attend that function, there's a reason why people drink. You know what I mean? There's a reason why people use certain substances. So Katie, to your point, I think when it becomes a point where it's getting in the way of things and some people might not be able to stop drinking either. If, you know, for listeners out there who really are, you know, KBI, you know more about this than me, but like, you know, if you are experiencing like, you know, tolerance effects from alcohol, it might be hard to stop, you know, especially around the holidays. So that's another thing to consider too. And um, I I just think of other distractions too, like, you know, um, well, not other distractions, excuse me. I'm really thinking about like questions that you might be asked, like every family function, everybody asked me, when are you having kids? Do you have kids? Why don't you want kids? Blah, blah, blah. All that, like all those questions that like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be prepared to answer um, and you have to be prepared to have that conversation or not. You know, you could put up boundaries and then you might feel awkward, you know, so I think a lot of people, at least my clients too, um, I do have a bunch of clients who, you know, might, might not be able to have kids um, or they're child free by choice, whatever the case is. And they talk to me around this time of year and they're like, how am I going to manage this conversation again? You know, mm-hmm. um, how am I going to manage th- those expectations again? And a lot of people do resort to alcohol, you know, just to kind of work through it. So I really have a lot of empathy for people who, you know, use substances around this time, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. if you have the privilege of not having to do that, that's great too, to maintain your own physical and mental well-being. Cause like KBI said, it could, it could go south pretty quick. And it's, and it's really hard when you don't have, when you may not have the skills to set the boundaries or mm-hmm. to speak up and, and, and say that because they're, you know, that takes practice. Right. I always joke that I, I am in my era where I don't fuck around with that stuff. Like you ask me an inappropriate question. I'm calling it out. Like I, my favorite line is when someone asks me and I'll say, wow, it's a really weird thing to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Like I, I will call it out for what it is. And it's gotten me in trouble at family gatherings, but it's one of those things that like, I'm in a place where I have learned the skills to not tolerate but that is a privilege to be able to do that and a lot of hard work to get there. And 
if we look back and we, I know we talked about this, right? If we look back at culture, if we look back at, you know, skills, where you're at mentally, all of that, those all play a role in, in that. Um, and whether or not we can set boundaries, whether or not we can speak up, whether or not we feel safe enough, because again, maybe uncle Johnny has had seven beers and he's coming and he's asking you some inappropriate questions and you know that he's inebriated. Do mm-hmm. I want to engage in that? Because I know that uncle Johnny has an anger issue. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I recall. Oh, go ahead, Jess. Nope. You go ahead. Don't fold. <laughs> Justin called me out earlier because he's like, Kristen folds every t- or K10 folds every time. Every time two people are talking over each other, I just like hearing what other people have to say. But, um, but yeah, I, I just recall my brother could probably relate to this too of like going to family events and always having an exit strategy for certain things, you know, like, okay, if things get a little heated, we gotta, we gotta remember how to, how to get out of here. But I think even depending on the family dynamic that you have, these are the things that you have to think about. And I noticed for a lot of my clients too, we're coming up with a lot of plans. We're pre-planning, we're coping ahead. We're, we're really trying to like create a landscape where people feel like they have a sense of control and Mm -hmm. a lot of like uncontrolled, like with a lot of uncontrollables, essentially. Mm So it's a lot of stress, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was just going to say that boundary setting, I think is like huge to protect our mental health to like manage it. Um, I like that you said coping ahead K10, because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people know what is going to upset them. Not all the time, Mm -hmm. but like KBI, you said, if you know, historically uncle Johnny is going to get inebriated and ask inappropriate questions. And that's a trigger for you. How can I cope ahead with that? Um, I know another thing I like to do, like managing mental health is trying to stick to as much of a routine as possible, which is not always possible. Um, but, you know, sleep routine. I'm sure K10 would love that. Um, or just like, especially now having a kid, like keeping her on a routine as much as possible mm-hmm. to keep my mental health. And then I already mentioned this. I am a big fan of going outside for a walk. Mm-hmm. Cause even if you like granted that comes with privilege that, you know, it's not negative 50 degrees and it's safe to walk, but that's something that's really helped me just like get fresh air, take a break, mm-hmm. things like that. And for people that may not be able to like truly leave a family function, if they can remove themselves for a period of time, that might be a way, um, what other thoughts do you have on like ways people can manage? The bathroom is my favorite freaking place at family gatherings because no one bought, I mean, someone might knock at the door to like go to use the bathroom, but no one's bothering you in there. No one, you don't have to actually use the bathroom. You can just make people think that you got some gastric issues. And I got no problem with that. I would be like, Granny's granny's potatoes are running right through me. Leave me alone. Like, but that's the thing is like you, like you said, Jess, like if you can't leave without an additional conversation, like the bathroom is a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And it's usually that ability. Like I'll take headphones with me if I need to, if I know it's going to be really busy and put them in and listen to a song that calms you Mm -hmm. for, for just that time. Um, 
practice those grounding skills in there, whatever it may be. That's like my, my go-to favorite skill during the holidays. I love that. I'm trying to think because those two are like really good ones. I even think about when you're in a situation and you can't get out, like just say, I don't know, just say you're to use the bathroom, right? And then you came out and you're still kind of feeling like dysregulated. Of course, you could go back in to KBI's point and be like, I got issues going on right now. But um, I think there's a lot of power in the present moment too. If you're noticing Mm -hmm. that you're having like a lot of struggles, sometimes I'll just, and I do this like anywhere I am. Nobody knows that you're focusing on your breathing besides you, unless like you're really like huffing and puffing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that probably isn't helpful. <laughs> like literally like in through your nose, out through your mouth, like dramatically. Um, but if you focus on your breath and you just kind of focus on certain things or focus on like things in the room, any sort of grounding things I think could be helpful if you're in a situation where you feel too uncomfortable to leave, just say mm-hmm. in an alternative universe. Because um, I know some people, they feel uncomfortable um, being away for too long, just say. So I do think that there's a lot of power in breathing, grounding, trying to, um, even PMR, like progressive muscle relaxation. I'll like clench my fists and let them go like under the table. Um, those are a couple of things that me and my clients have worked on a lot. Um, if you know, there's the tool that you have might not be a tool that you could use in that moment, but you have to come up with an alternative. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's also like, if you have the ability, it's also finding the safe people. So like, I think of like some of our family gatherings and it's like, it's the smokers who sit on the back porch. I'm like, oh, are we shit talking? Let's go. Like, and, and I know for me, I utilize the, as much as I hate the coldness in Maine, sometimes I utilize that, like the tip skill to, um, kind of regulate if I pissed off by uncle Johnny, like I'll go outside and do that. But it's also like knowing like, who's that safe person that you can make eyes with mm-hmm. when, when Tammy is talking to you and you're like, get me out of this, get right. me out of this, help me please. And you're like sending mm-hmm. like signals. Um, I think sometimes like, like you, like you talked about coping ahead, like having those conversations, even if you don't, maybe you're coming to a party by yourself but you know, you and your cousin are like this, mm-hmm. like have that conversation. Be like, what's our, what's our out plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I even think of like utilizing social support for things like we, we talked about the substance abuse and, you know, disordered eating. So like, if you know, like, Hey, this family gathering is going to want to make or, is going to cause me to want to drink heavily, but I don't actually want to do that. Can like you keep me in check or like working with teens a lot, especially those with eating disorders. If they don't feel comfortable speaking up against, you know, aunt Susie. Okay. Do your parents feel comfortable? Do you have that like loudmouth cousin that does not care what anybody says? Like, will they speak up for you and kind of, you know, forming an alliance, so to speak, ahead of time, like a support system um, can be extremely helpful as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you have that, I have that cousin that I could always rely on, like, yo, this is whack. Like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> and then like we could like kind of talk at least a little. Um, one thing that I've done in the past, and I don't know how helpful this would be, but um, when it comes to alcohol, because during certain holidays, I just don't drink. Um, I don't really drink a lot 
out as it is. But um, for me, it's kind of like a little bit of a trigger when I'm around the holidays and everybody's drinking and maybe I'm not. So I'll bring like sparkling water or like whatever, you know, whatever I'll bring. And I'll actually tell people I'm either on antibiotics or I'm feeling sick, but not COVID sick, just like something else sick, you know, just to afford myself a little bit of space where I could, you know, inch closer to that feeling of comfort with mm-hmm. out a drink in my hand or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other things. I think we kind of touched on this, but like expectation management, mm-hmm. like recognizing that not everything's going to be perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if, even in the most functional families, there when when you add the stress of holidays and things like that, there's going to be arguments or just like frustration, things like that. And this kind of goes back to boundary setting. But, you know, another thing is if you go and you're uncomfortable, like leave or just set the expectation. Hey, like, thank you all for inviting us. We're only going to be able to make it an hour. And like yep. set that expectation. And then if you have fun, you can stay longer. Like but that. if it's miserable, you already told the person. Um, and I think the only other thing that's coming to mind is just like self-care and taking yep. care of yourself, which falls into a lot of things, the grounding techniques, the setting boundaries. But like, what do you need to do? And maybe be more intentional during this time, if you know that the holidays cause more stress, more anxiety, things like that, what are coping skills that you need to utilize every day? Mm-hmm. Not just like when you're at the family gathering with drunk Uncle Johnny. Yeah, literally. I don't have a good transition for Google Scholar Shorts unless you all can think of anything or wanted to add anything else i'm drawing blanks right now no okay so i'm not gonna lie it was really hard to find a scientific article on like mental health during the holidays that was not like mental health during the first holiday during covid and i was like i don't want to do that so i promise this is related even though it's going to seem like it's more physical health but anyways have you all heard of holiday heart syndrome no no i hadn't either until i was (gasps) doing this research in the baltimore airport during my layover (laughs) coming home the other day on the flight that we had no idea we were on together yes so for anybody listening kbi got and i got to the airport the two, let's also our, remember that the two probably most prepared people like we so we knew our flights were both at 7:45 we get our starbucks and then we go to look and cuz KBI had told me she was at B11 and I was at B9 and then she was like where's the flight to baltimore and i was like why are you looking at my flight? She's like, I'm going to Baltimore. And I was like, no, I'm going to Baltimore. And so then we realized that we were on the same flight, the first flight. So, oh my God. Yeah. So we got to fly together. We did get to fly together and we helped our seatmate navigate the turbulence. Oh yeah. We had to hold her hand. 
yes, it was it was fun. Anyways, yes. So I looked this up in the Baltimore airport. Um, so as we've been saying, we know around the holidays, people tend to get more stress. They consume more alcohol than usual. And as we've discussed, like alcohol around the holidays can be particularly challenging for those with substance use disorders. And our diet may be different than usual. We didn't really talk about that other than in context of disordered eating. So holiday heart syndrome is an acute cardiac rhythm, so an irregular heartbeat, associated with excessive alcohol consumption or binge drinking in a person without other clinical evidence of heart disease. And then once you stop drinking alcohol, the rhythm normalizes again. And so if we're looking at risk factors for this, too much or heavy alcohol consumption, elevated stress levels, dehydration, high intake of sodium, high intake of lipid foods, and low fiber. And so even though like this article is really physical health oriented, stress, alcohol consumption, both mental health, eating different. We know if we eat differently, it affects our mental health, good, bad. Um, and it was interesting because this article, because it was much more medical, talked about the treatment of holiday heart syndrome. So, you know, cardioversion of the individual, um, if they're unstable or medical management, if the person is stable, but it didn't necessarily talk about prevention, but oh. I wanted to open the discussion because a thing that came to mind for me is if we do stress management, if we're mindful of our alcohol intake, if we hydrate, KBI, shut up, hydrate, <laughs> I hydrate plenty. Mm, ish. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they all um, did just get to witness how little I do actually hydrate. Yeah, correct. You didn't even drink like one whole water bottle the whole time we were there. <laughs> It's fine. I can't. Anyway, but all of those things, which we just talked about as mental health, minus hydrating, but we know hydrating is good for our mental health as well, could potentially prevent this holiday heart syndrome. So what are your like thoughts, impressions? Interesting. I think it's interesting. Me too. You know, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of times as mental health professionals, we consider the physical health stuff. But I think this is really making me realize that any habit that we have or anything that really affects our mental health really affects our physical health because yeah. I hate to like pull out CBT, you know, but if we're having an emotion or a feeling and then we're engaging in a behavior that's like supposed to help, you know, I'm putting it in air quotes, but then it's actually having these negative health effects potentially. And then once you stop that behavior, things change. I mean, it's, it's just, it makes sense, but it's not something I think about all the time. It's yeah. a good reminder, really. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine, I don't know if I or a loved one had a acute cardiac cardiac rhythm and a regular heartbeat and they were concerned about it, that would probably add to my stress. Yeah. yeah. During the holiday season. And like, we didn't explicitly talk about this in our discussion, but you know, we know stress has negative consequence for physical health. It can lead to physical illness, things like that. And just like you said, K10, I think it speaks to the like overlap and intersection of mental health and physical health and the importance of taking care of both during the holidays. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I didn't explicitly say this, but I mentioned, you know, sticking to a routine. So you all know this. One of the big things in my routine is exercise. And like during the holidays, if I'm traveling, I'm not going to do the same level of exercise, but that helps my stress management. It like makes me feel better. So I try to keep doing that while traveling during the holidays so that I feel good. But yeah, it was just an interesting article. I know it's not like similar to other ones, but I was like, this is interesting. And I hadn't heard of it. Neither of you had heard of it. So maybe our group members haven't either. And people learn something new. I love it. Interesting. Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm Justin's not here because I think he hates the polls that much. I think so too. He was supposed to do polls. I think the power outage was a cop out so that he didn't actually have to do the polls. Can you imagine he just turned off all his lights and he just like had his had his phone light and he was like, Poor me. Method acting method acting at my finest. Yes. And he was like, Jackie and Barb. Make sure you're acting like we're really stressed out in the no, dark. He's convincing them that it's that it's off. He actually, jo- yeah, he jokes it on off. jokes on them. He actually just went out to the power box and flipped the switch. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Oh my goodness! Okay, so Justin did the poll. So I don't know what these are. So bear with me. So he asked. How do you feel about the holidays this year? Excited and looking forward to it. Mixed emotions. Dreading not looking forward to it, or I'm not sure. Mixed. I'm not sure. Yeah. 52% said mixed, with okay. dreading and not looking forward to it out of 25, with exciting coming in at 19, and I'm not sure at four. Okay. What do you enjoy the most about the holiday season? Time off work or school? seeing certain friends or family, presents and gifts, food, baking, cooking. And I will say that we did get a lot of DMs of people saying, you forgot decorations. Yeah. So there were several people who were like the decor, but that Mm -hmm. wasn't an option. Sorry. I I struggle with this one because like my gut says like the food and the cooking, but then I also... Realize we're a mental health podcast and we might have people that follow us that like struggle with disordered eating, body image issues or comments from people. So maybe that's not their favorite, but I'm just going to go with food and cooking. I don't know. I don't even know. (laughs) So most people said the time off work in school. Interesting. 44% seeing certain friends and family at 30% food coming in at 20 and presents and gifts at six. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, I do love me some good mashed potatoes. How do you typically feel during the holiday season? Better than the rest of the year? About the same as the rest of the year? Worse than the rest of the year? Or it varies? Worse. I want to say worse, too. Yeah. Worse and varies came in very close with worse being at 34% and varies at 35. Wow. Oh, wow. And the okay. same goes for the other two. About the same is at 16% and better than the rest is 15. Okay. Mm. That was like a split. So they, so then he asked, 
What are some coping stress? What helps you cope during the holidays and during the things that feel stressful or heavy? So we got make sure to have time to myself daily, prep for the interactions, get plenty of sleep, boundaries, 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 getting a walk, boundaries again, focusing on my toddler and making it special for him, taking space for myself and not over scheduling. Boundaries with the in-laws. If you know, you know. Alone time. Knowing it will be over soon. Let's see. Asking for help when needed. Setting expectations. Walking away from negative conversations about food or people's bodies. Mm. Someone said your podcast because during that time I get to zone out and listen to people who truly care. Watching my annual favorite Christmas movie, The Polar Express. What are your guys' favorite Christmas movies or holiday movies? And if you say Die Hard, that's not a damn Christmas movie. That's my husband's favorite Christmas movie. It's not a fucking, it's um, not a fucking Christmas movie. So for nostalgia, like I love Miracle on 34th Street. Like I grew up watching that. I also really like like the Santa Claus movies because I watched them as a kid. But my family, when we go to my grandmother's, my uncle will make us watch White Christmas. It's like a super old movie. Um, and is it my favorite? No. Is it more like just a tradition that I enjoy? Yes. And then A Christmas Story um, with, yeah. I listed a bunch. You said favorite and I listed just 10. I'm like, you, I'm like ma'am, you listed like seven. <laughs> yeah. I didn't grow up watching Christmas movies. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, I don't, I don't really watch movies as it is. I only watch like mind bender movies. So like, I can't really sit and like watch anything. So I think for me, maybe I don't think I'm an anomaly by any means, hopefully, but no. um yeah, I, I don't have anything that I really look forward to in terms of movies, but I do like the the commercials um, oh. in general, just about like new things the that are M&M. out that I probably won't buy, you know, things like that. I like the M&M's one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With the Santa, the one yeah. from like the 90s. Oh. Mm-hmm. I would say my, our traditional movie is Christmas Vacation. Okay. So why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Um, my husband's family, like, we literally watch it and we quote the entire movie. Um, I would say my favorite, though, is probably Polar Express. Um, that is just something, like, we did the Polar Express last year. I cried the entire time with my son. Like, it's one of my favorites, so. Um, but, yeah. Something else that's my favorite is the group member question. Let's go. Yay. So let's see. So we got a bunch where they were multitude of the same kind of questions. So a couple of these will have different parts. So Morgan from Alberta says, what do you recommend for people with past family trauma visiting family members at Christmas? Um, Anonymous says, how do I handle seeing specific family members that trigger traumatic childhood memories? And Grace from Oregon says, a lot of trauma anniversaries fall around the holidays. How have you seen people cope with that? These are all great questions. 
So kind of mm-hmm. all like, how do we deal with like those trauma responses um, when maybe we're, we are forced back into an area, right? I always say like, oh, going home for the holidays, it's back to the scene of the crime. Um, like, how do you deal with navigating that? So, and I know what I'm about to say comes with a lot of privilege, but if you can set boundaries and don't have to go, you can make that choice. Or if you want to go, but don't want to see certain people, and obviously it depends on family dynamics, family systems, things like that. Um, whether it's, you know, hey, we're going to come until Uncle Johnny comes. And once he comes we're going to leave or have that safe person with you step away. Um, Now, if it's like just the general environment have like coping skills that you Mm -hmm. can utilize while there, it's definitely really hard. Cause like I've had this conversation with so many clients where like holidays or other events where they want to do a family thing, but there's like that one family member that they really, yeah. really don't want to see because that mm-hmm. family member caused a lot of trauma and navigating that. And just what I said, a lot of times it's like, do you have a safe person or can you schedule schedule it? So like you leave when they come or you come after they leave, things like that. But it's, it's really, really hard. I guess give yourself grace too. Yeah. And validate your feelings. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of self-compassion and... Yeah, I mean, I know not everybody has access to therapy. And I think if you're able to have someone there who might not be a part of your family that you could talk to about it, it doesn't have to be a therapist necessarily, maybe a friend, um, a colleague, somebody like that, who's out of it, so that you could kind of come up with some sort of a plan, you know, to echo what Jess is saying of like, really trying to figure out what's going to be the best for you. And then I'll sometimes tell my clients if they don't, if they're not able to say no, to it for whatever reason, I'll just say it's going to be scary. You know, it, it's just going to be hard. Um, and you could still technically get through it. It's not going to be easy by any means. And we'll have to do a lot of, you know, process on the back end. Um, but any, any grace that you could give yourself because you're probably having reasonable responses to like a lot of, a lot of triggers. I mean, a lot. Like, for example, I haven't been back to New York since like 2019. It's just so stressful for me. So if I did go back and just say I saw family or friends, I would have to really, really regulate myself in ways that maybe I don't have to when I'm in Kansas City. So I think it for most people, it probably feels like, oh, just go. It's no big deal. It's only a day or something. That day could be excruciating for people mentally. It could be, it could decimate their mental health and then just the recovery period just have some empathy for people who really don't like to go home for the holidays. Like it's, it's really, really, really hard. Um, so if you have a friend or a colleague that you could rely on, I think that would be great if you don't have access to therapy. What are some ways to be present with your family while taking care of yourself when you get anxious or overstimulated? That is from anonymous. I always go back to like grounding and deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always want to be mindful too of medical conditions too. Some people aren't able to, engage in diaphragmatic breathing. If you're able to do that, that's great. Um, if not, there's, you know, um, grounding techniques, really trying to be there while also kind of really trying to focus on maybe 
something else, not to like take yourself out of the conversation by any means, but um, sometimes that's what you have to do to get through the moment. And I think for people who are really struggling, improving the moment probably feels like a jump. But if you're in a moment that feels really hard, um, distress tolerance skills, like KB, I was talking about before, you know, if there's the tip skill um, that you can engage in or, you know, walking away if possible and coming back, I know that's probably not possible for most people, but um, any way that you could regulate even moment to moment matters because then on the back end, again, you won't have to decompress as nearly as much. So I always tell myself, okay, what, how am I going to set myself up when I'm in this stressful situation for when I go home and I'm alone with myself? Like, what can I do to like get to that point where I'm not so mentally drained? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I echo everything you say, K10, and also just want to validate it is really hard at times to be present while you're anxious. So I always tell my clients, like, if you're too dysregulated, too anxious, like if you can remove yourself, do so, regulate, do grounding techniques, and then come back. But being in the present moment can also help regulate your anxiety. If you're focusing on the conversation or even just like, you know, a lot of people talk about the 54321 method. There's also like the rainbow method where you identify um, different things of different colors. So maybe when you're engaged mm-hmm. in a person, like try to identify, okay, r- they have a red sweater on. There's an orange clock in the background, like trying to bring yourself back to the present moment, because I don't know about you all, but I find if I can be in the present moment with people I want to be in the present moment with, even if I'm stressed, even if I'm anxious, it helps my mind get off of those things. But you have to be somewhat regulated before doing Mm -hmm. that. How can friends and family best support you during the holiday season in terms of your mental health? This one's from Julie. I was going to say, it depends. I'm going to say, yeah, it might depend on what you need. You know, everybody needs different things. Just in the beginning of this episode, there was variations in even just our thoughts about the holidays, just us personally. So I'd imagine that everybody might have a different need or desire when it comes to holidays. And everybody's going to need different supports. Like for some people who are experiencing grief, they might need to not talk about it or they might want to talk about it, you know? So it just really varies. Like for me and my brother, when it comes to grief, he doesn't want to talk about it at all. And I'm like, let's honor the person. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. even both of us, like two siblings need something completely different. So I do think it just varies. Yeah. Well, and I would say if you are a person that wants your friend support, communicating those needs, if you mm-hmm. are a friend trying to support someone's mental health, you know, asking, Hey, what, do you need, how can I show up for you? What would be the best way to support you during this time? Cause exactly like case 10 said, it's different for different people. And it also could be different for the same person, depending on the event. So like, I'm thinking if I am trying to get rid, I don't host the holidays, but like say I was, or thinking about like, you know, just my family system. If whoever is like primarily doing the cooking is really stressed. A way to reduce that stress might be getting out of the kitchen or going for a grocery run. Like, which then if you're stressed about 
something completely different like finances, that's not going to be the same thing. So I think it's important to reach out and communicate your needs, but also like ask your friends. Um, And it can even just be like a general like, hey, holidays are a stressful time. I know you're really busy. Is there anything I can do to support you? It doesn't have to be like, hey, you look really stressed. (laughs) What what can I do? (laughs) Well, and I would say doing that too, like when you, if you have those family members that you do know, that tend to struggle, like reaching out and saying, Hey, how can I support you in this? Um, but I will say when you said that, Jess, I am the person who's like, Oh, we ran out of corn. You need more corn. I'll go. I volunteer (laughs) as tribute to go. Do I need to go to other grocery stores too, to get something different? I can, I can, I need ice all the stores. Oh, sorry. It's going to be a little extra. They, they didn't have any, sorry. As I'm sitting in the parking lot, scrolling my phone, (laughs) like, yep. But like, again, like figure out what works for you. Let's see. Uh, Anonymous asks, is it okay to skip parts of the holidays because it's too much? Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Did did we not just hear me? Like, yeah. Yeah, I I think, I don't know. I think it's hard to make that decision for some some people because you're choosing your mental yeah. health over technically, I mean, if we really just reduce it over maybe a relationship of some sort, depending on how intense that person might feel about your decision and outcome. So I do know for those out there who are listening, who are trying to make that decision, like you have to give yourself some grace. It's a really hard one, really, yeah. really hard to like, you know, make a change and get uncomfortable and, and all of that. But I think with every change, we kind of treat, we teach people how to treat us in that way. If, you know, your family's open to the idea. So I, I remember a lot of my clients last year, we were talking about how to make the decision to to not go to a Christmas mm-hmm. event or a New Year's event or whatever it is. And they were saying like, I know I'm going to do this for my mental health, but then I'm also going to feel guilty, you know? So like, mm-hmm. what, what emotion do I really want to experience right now? You know, is it going there and being, you know, triggered or do I want to feel the guilt? Um, so we do have to kind of work through the emotions. Even if you put up a boundary, it could it could feel like a lot of work and it could also feel, it could feel negative too, even though it's a good thing. Yeah. And you, and you make a very good point about like the struggle with it. And I also think of, I think a lot of times we think of not showing up to events, but a lot of the holidays, regardless of what you celebrate is about like traditions. And we haven't really Mm -hmm. talked about that, but I also think of like, it's okay to not engage in certain traditions if I don't know, they cause you to grieve more maybe of a person or a past memory or like limiting. Cause like not engaging can look different. It doesn't have to be like, I am not attending this event. It could be, I'm only attending for an hour or it could be like, I will attend if, um, but those decisions are, hard, but if you have the opportunity to not go, and I say that because in some families that might not be an option and you feel like that would be the better decision for you in the long run, it's absolutely okay if that's what's best for you. Annie from Germany says, what are your favorite treats during the holidays or winter? For example, snacks, foods, drinks, making snow or sand angels. Justin and his sand angels. Oh my gosh. 
favorite treats. My cat is very needy right now. I don't know what's going on. He never. What's the Christmas version of candy corn? <laughs> oh, um, what are they called? Candy canes. Uh, candy canes. There it is. Yeah, maybe. No, they are know. not the candy corn version. Candy canes are great. It, uh-uh. I like them. Not Unless really. you eat the fruit ones. Those are gross. There's fruit. I didn't know there was fruit ones. Yeah. They make all different flavors. Reese's um, trees. Oh, yep. Reese's trees are yummy. So my, oh, you go ahead. You don't fold. No, come on. (laughs) Don't fold. Ah, I forgot what I was going to say. Actually, (laughs) you go see, this is why you go. This is why you fold because you forget what you're going to say. Literally, Um, because yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So my great grandmother used to make these cookies. I didn't know her. She wasn't alive when I was alive, but then my great aunt started making them and after she died i started making them and there's like they're they're gingerbread cookies but it's like a old-fashioned recipe like it literally uses lard and like in the <laughs> recipe it's like roll it on your i don't even know what it's called because i don't use it i use parchment paper but like the cloths like a terry cloth and so like you roll it and that is a treat that always reminds me of the holidays because I remember going to my grand aunt's house and she would have them in like a tin can in her cupboard. Was it a sewing kit? No, it was one of those, you know, those tin cans that come with like, they, they probably were like a, a school selling wrapping paper and cookies or popcorn (laughs) or whatever with like the people ice skating on it. Um, Yes. Yes. So that's like just one of my favorite treats simply because it like reminds me of tradition. Um, But yeah, like other than that, I don't know. There's a doctor I work with. He made, I don't even know what they're called, but they're like cookies just covered in powdered sugar. I don't remember what he calls them, but he makes them every year and they're delicious. I'm trying to think of treats. Cause I, I think for me, it's like my treat is like sleeping in. <laughs> it sounds so boring. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just like knowing that I have a day off. I feel like I usually get up at like five or six with my dogs and go to the dog park mm-hmm. in the morning. And like, I feel like it's a holiday when like, we don't do that because the dog's like, I don't know why they, I feel like they know it's a, I don't know why if they, I don't, they probably have no idea. They, they don't know their dogs, whatever. They check the calendar. Like, yeah. They're like, Hmm, it's Christmas day. We're not going to the park. Got it. Like, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I guess sleeping in and then mm. doing things that are out of my normal routine because I could plan for it. If it's just mm-hmm. a thing that's out of my routine that. I don't plan for it. It's usually a stressful thing, but yeah, it's not necessarily a food treat, but maybe like a mental health treat of some sort. Any type. I love bake. I love baking cookies. Um, that is just, it's again, the one positive memory that like I have of me and my mom were baking cookies. And so it's something that I enjoy doing. I love, I make like a mean rolled out sugar cookie. Um, and that's probably one of my favorites. 
And like, I usually do it. Like we've done it the past couple of years where everybody brings like a massive batch of one cookie and mm. then we all make them together. Um, so oh. we do gingerbread and sugar and chocolate crinkles and all of that. Um, that's probably my favorite. And then staying inside. <laughs> Cause you live in Maine. Cause it's cold. How's the I cold weather say, treating as much you? As I, as much as I hate the snow, there is something nice about sitting under a heating blanket, looking out the window and watching the snow. But that's a, for about five seconds. And then I'm like, fuck, I got to go get my car out. <laughs> I do miss that about New England, like actually having snow on Christmas. Like since living in South Carolina, like sometimes we'll get snow. It's usually in January, but like. But it I shuts everything down down there. Oh, it does. It absolutely we, does. We so, get it's like we, we get have two one feet centimeter of snow. We get two feet. We're like, we're still going to the Hannafords and getting our dunks. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Holly from Iowa asks, I come from a family of divorce and I'm always having to travel between different houses for the holidays. It's always so draining and I end up not even enjoying the day. How do you set boundaries with families around this? Oh, so man. I don't know her age um because i think that plays a factor in it obviously if you're like a minor um and this is not the same thing because like marriage um but like i said my husband's parents are divorced and like um what we have done for at least when we're married, we alternate, well, historically, up until the past couple of years, we alternate holidays. So like, since my family doesn't live here, if we do Thanksgiving with my family, we'll do Christmas with his family. Um, since his mom and dad are divorced, what we usually do is like, okay, if we do, I don't know, say it's Christmas, we'll do Christmas Eve with one side and Christmas Day with the other. What we have done now, and this is a very unique situation, I guess, and different, but I promise I have a point, is my grandmother is the only one of our grandparents that is still alive. And so once my daughter was born, we made the decision that every Christmas that my grandmother is still alive, we are spending Christmas with her so that my daughter gets to make memories or our daughter gets to make memories with her. Oh, that's cute. And we just told his family that we said wall my grandmother is alive that's what we're doing and honestly they were like we get it we get mm -hmm. it and so i think you know and i don't know your circumstances but i think just setting those boundaries by saying like hey it's a lot for me to travel and i'm not actually enjoying it as much and i want to be present so whether it's i'm going to alternate years that I see you all. I don't know the distance apart, things like that. Or is it, you know, I'll do Christmas Eve with mom, Christmas day with dad, and then next year alternate. So it's still quote unquote fair, but I think just stating like, this is what I'm going to do. Not asking permission, just saying like, this is the decision I have made. And it can be hard and can be scary and people's feelings can get hurt. But at the end of the day, if you aren't able to be present or enjoy your time with either side of the family because you're traveling, like it's, it's not going to be fun for anyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it really depends on the circumstance. I have some clients who they their parents are divorced and they just alternate, like you're saying. And then there are other people out there who might go the week before, you know, mm-hmm. and hang yeah. out with one parent and then a couple of days later hang out with the other or something like that if they if they have the time and space in their calendar and schedule. Um, but either way, it is stressful. And I think it's... I just... I can imagine it being so stressful, like trying to say like what you're saying too of like, hey, I got to put up that boundary. And that initial discomfort is always really hard. But the overall gain, I mean, for the future is like, once you're consistent in how you show up, then people stop questioning it because then they Mm -hmm. get the same answer over and over again. And then they're like, all right, if I keep asking this, I'm just going to get the same response. Like I'm not going to get anywhere. It's almost like you have to be that broken record sometimes. Again, if you're, if you're able to do that with your family, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard. Um, And even, you know, I don't know how big your family is, but if there's a couple of people just say going to this one event, I wonder if they could, you know, schedule it during the week before a different time or whatever, you know, um, depending on if there's travel or where you're going. Um, I know it's expensive to fly and stuff like that. And that's like one of the things I fall back on is that none of these days are actual, like these days are only special because someone decided that they were mm-hmm. like there, they like to, to me, like you can still have that on a different day. Like I remember it was like the first or second year that my husband and I were dating and he was gone for Christmas. He was on, um, I think he was in Japan. And so he was missing Christmas. And it was like the first time he was ever missing Christmas with his family. And you know what they did? They had Christmas in March. What did they do? Put up a damn Christmas tree in March and had Christmas together. Um, And I think that's something that I always remind myself too, is that um, we're only celebrating on these certain days specifically. Like, yes, it's nice to spend that time if you you know, have a family you like to be around, all of that. But at the end of the day, we're, a lot of us were only really doing this because we, someone made the decision somewhere in history Mm -hmm. that this was the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually, um, my family lives all over the place and we just, the first week of December, that's when we see each other and that's it. Mm -hmm. We're like, it's the month, it's the holiday month, I guess, or whatever, you know, for, you know, Christmas, New Year's, my birthday as well. So we all just kind of like meet during that time. It's like, I've never had like a, and I feel like I've never had like an actual birthday. Like I have, I'm being dramatic, but it's always like next to Christmas. So I'm like, oh, you guys just feel bad for me. That's why you hang out around the holidays. You know what I mean? But, um, but you're right, KBI, it, it is a day. And however you decide to celebrate with your family is how you decide to celebrate. Like just as saying yeah. before, I mean, tradition is all about like what, makes it for you and your family, exactly. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I love the idea of, um, like finding different dates. Mm-hmm. And as you were, both of you were talking, like it reminded me. So like my husband's dad's side of the family, and I don't remember when they, I don't know when they started doing this because in the 15, almost 15 years I've been around, they've done it every year. They always like my father-in-law, and his siblings and his parents when they were alive always celebrated Christmas on the 26th because mm-hmm. they were like, all our kids are grown, married, have their own stuff. So like that was the day. And like mm-hmm. this year we're going to have Christmas with my father-in-law and stepmother the weekend before. Cause 
my stepmother-in-law was like, you all are traveling. Like, all, I mean, all the kids are adults. We're doing everything. But here, let's just pick the 16th of December. Is everybody available? Cool. We'll do our Christmas then. Yeah. And yeah, like, I mean, to, to y'all's points, like it doesn't matter when. And yes, that does take other people being on board. Absolutely. And honestly, it's less stressful. Ever. Like it's more dates, but it's more spread out. Yeah. So maybe propose that idea to yeah. your family. <laughs> okay. The next couple of questions were really about grief. So Jen from Ohio says, what are some tips for the first holiday season after a loved one passes away? I want to be able to support my family as well as myself. It's been a difficult few months. Courtney from PA says Christmas is the last holiday I spent with my grandmother and I'm struggling to be holly jolly with something I love because it's literally the last day I hugged her. How do you navigate grief in the holidays? Jordan from Montana says we always talk about the first holiday after losing a loved one, but what about the first holiday after going through a divorce? We went through a divorce earlier this year um, and just really dealing with grief and the same with Amy from Connecticut. Any tips for people who are struggling during the holidays um, for not being around family who may not even be, they may not, they may be around, but they're just not there. So how do we deal with grief in the holidays? It's so hard. Um, I think, I don't know what y'all think about this, but I feel like grief looks so different for everybody. And I think mm -hmm. there was a quote that I read. It's like, where there's love, there's grief. You know, it's, it's so hard, especially around the holidays. And especially for that first person who said, this is the first year. Those are always the hardest, you know, yeah. um, for people. So I just want to let you know, I see you. That's really difficult. I think expectation management is really important. If you're going to feel sad or you have a tendency to isolate or cry or whatever that is, just really allowing yourself to show up in whatever form, if you have that luxury and privilege to have people around you that really care about you and you're able to show up in that way, I would try to allow yourself to get uncomfortable and take full advantage of having that support. If you, if you are voicing that, like, hey, I'm feeling sad today or something like that. If your family isn't like that or friends aren't like that, it could be really hard. Um, so I always think like, how could you cope ahead? I always kind of go back to that. How could I cope ahead? Um, how would I want to honor this person? You know, um, what's hard about it for me? You know, finding the things that will bring you at least a little bit of reprieve as you navigate that, it's it's so hard. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really have the best advice. I just want to let you know I empathize with that. That's hard. Yeah. I, I think it depends on so many factors like i was as i was listening to all those questions like so many like first christmases after the loss of um a loved one came up so like i'm remembering after my grandfather died when i was in high school how like we honored him that christmas my grandmother went through all his clothes and put like random assortments of his clothes together in bags and my dad's one of seven um and gave them to all the boys so there's five Aww. boys um and like they all like dressed up and we took like like because that was just like how my family like wanted to remember mm -hmm. him and then like i mean i I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I've like definitely posted about it. Like I grew up Catholic religious. So like, I remember after my cousin Jeff died, we like made very, made it very intentional to like say a prayer for him. 
at Christmas because he died right after Thanksgiving or um, when my friend Claire died a couple years ago, her sister has started um, this nonprofit basically. And she makes um, oyster shells into patterns and she was selling uh, them as ornaments And so like last year I bought a bunch of ornaments and like gave them to family members as a way way to like pass Claire's legacy on. So I think it just looks so different for people. I'm definitely one that for me, it helps to celebrate and acknowledge, but I recognize that's not for everyone. Um, And I know I've said this a lot, but take space. Like for me taking a walk, like if I am getting too overwhelmed like with grief, I go outside and take a walk um, and give myself that space and everything else K-10 said, expectation management, et cetera. And then I think there was a question about divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't want to overlook that one either. Um, I, I don't know what that might be like. I'd imagine it feeling similar. Grief, you know what I mean? Um, like not having the same situation happen and, and all that. Yeah. So I guess expectation management too. And again, every divorce looks different, right? So. Kaylin from Arkansas. And I like her question, but I also think that there's the other side that we can talk about school-based therapists here. So I have a two, two and a half weeks off during Christmas break, which is exciting, but also nervous for clients who will be without therapy for a while. Any tips or strategies to help navigate clients through that period? And so I think this is, can also be for the people who might be experiencing a lapse in therapy during that time as mm-hmm. well. I mean, I always like ask my clients, like, you know, like we've already talked about coping ahead. What are going to be your go-to like strategies and make sure like you make a toolkit And like you have Mm -hmm. those in your back pocket. So like, hey, we're going to have two and a half weeks off. If you feel anxious, what are you going to do? If you feel like, and kind of talking through like some of the stuff we did. Can you leave? Can you go to the bathroom? What are your grounding skills? And just like remind them of all the tools they have in their toolkit. Obviously, if somebody is higher risk, making sure they have access to 988 or other crisis lines, depending on where you are in the world and things like that and making a plan for those things. Sal from New York. How do you prioritize self-care during the busy holiday season? I feel like I'm always so busy all of the time and struggle to find the time to take care of myself and just end up feeling burnt out by the end of it. I was going to say, if you're able to schedule things, mm-hmm. really, really tiny things for yourself, I'm talking like micro self-care. Like, mm-hmm. can I take a shower that's five minutes longer? I, really? Like, you might have to really look at what you're working with and just try to, I don't mean to pull out DBT, but like improving the moment. Like, how do you just kind of make the moment a little better than it was? KBI is laughing because we're... Babe, um, babe, you have been DBT this entire time. I love how you're like, I'm going to... Sorry for pulling it out, but we have... You've coping ahead. We have uh, what skill. was the other one? What we was the other one that you, that you said? Um, not turning the mind. You said another one and I was like, oh my shit, that is... That was a DBT skill too. And I, I can't remember so which wild. one it was. 
I'm not like a diehard DBT person. I just really love... I, I was a DBT group facilitator for a while. And I just... The skills are helpful for some people, oh, not helpful for everybody. But... Well, mm-hmm. I think they're so universal. They are. Yeah. And everybody could take what they... What they what they want from them. But, but yeah, I think when you don't have time, that's kind of the biggest thing of like, how do you, how do you get to a point where you can not be so burnt out? And you, again, you might have to like do harm reduction approach and like really try to find what's going to work in the moment. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with one of my colleagues and, and she was like, I literally don't even have time to like shave my legs. Like, like I have no time, like literally. And I'm like, okay, it's worth reflecting on. Like, what's taking up so much space, you know? And then also, are there moments where you can, you know, engage in self-care in a way that's like, I don't know, not going to take that much time. Maybe it's, Mm -hmm. again, little things like putting on perfume instead of like running out of the house because that's going to make you feel good about yourself, whatever it is, little things. Mm -hmm. You might have to start there. I remember what it was. It was the broken record. I was like, I haven't heard that one in so, and I don't think that was intentional. I think it was more like you being, but I think I was like, I kept hearing DBT every five seconds. I was like, no, I, 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 she I realized in my mind I had dear man, you know, so it's whatever. <gasps> <laughs> I work with a lot of clients who benefit from DBT, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's here. Um, <clears throat> what are, so this is from anonymous. What are some ways to avoid unhealthy coping strategies such as self-harm, isolating that arise or increase during the holidays? I was going to say, no, I'm pulling out DBT and opposite action. (laughs) So if you want to withdraw, I know, look at me. I'm learning so much from you all. Um, I'm here for it. I love it. But yeah, or I also like, I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but kind of what I just said a few moments ago of like having that toolkit. So like, if you feel like you want to self-harm, what are some other coping skills you can try before that? If you're going to isolate opposite action, like, can you call a friend? Um, And being mindful. Like, I think we underestimate the power of like awareness Mm -hmm. and being mindful of our emotions. So if you know what your triggers are, for when you feel the urge to self-harm or when you feel the urge to isolate, could we minimize those triggers? Could we cope ahead? Things like that. Okay. Last question. And it's not actually a question. It's just a statement. And I wanted to share it because I read it and was like, (laughs) so Caitlin from California says, Not a question. I just wanted to thank you for the information, chaos, authenticity, and laughter. The podcast is always the highlight of my day. It's also helpful and a great resource. I feel more confident as a therapist because of you. You're inspiring, and I hope to be half as good a clinician as you all are. Much love and happy holidays. Oh, Caitlin, thank you. It's really nice to hear. (laughs) So many feelings. I feel like we're back on our trip with all the feelings. (laughs) I don't want anymore. I I just want to make note to everybody listening that KBI definitely had the most feelings. And 10 might have cried the most, but KBI had the most feelings. But also I do engage in physical contact. Not often. KBI also probably initiated the most physical contact on the trip. 
I do. I, I'm just shook because I almost feel like Anyway, I could go on. I was going to say, like, were you real? Like, was it you? <laughs> we're in a simulation. <laughs> Literally. It was, um, it was actually a- KPI Kaylin, was you. actually was AI. Really sweet. I'm the AI robots from Vegas. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, so y'all. Creepy. This was a fun episode. Yeah. I know. I know. Um but thank you guys for tuning in and um, listening to us and, and, you know, really being the reason why we're able to do this podcast. You know, we said it last time, but without you all, I mean, we wouldn't really know what to do here. You know, I know we like talking with each other, but you guys really enhance the quality of this podcast with all of your questions and comments and, and everything. And I'm just so pleased to hear too that other therapists listen because yeah. we're this big I want to say big family, but that doesn't make any sense. You know, big community of people um, doing the same thing for a good cause. So I love it. So send this to a friend who might be interested in learning more about the holidays um, with their mental health. Like and subscribe. Don't be afraid to pop it in the group chat. And we'll see you next week in group therapy. Bye. Peace. Peace. Peace.